Hi everyone, Sam Jarman here. Just going to record a little conversation with my good friend and colleague Grayson Hart. Grayson is a professional rugby player currently applying his trade in the Championship with London Scottish. Has previously played for Glasgow, Edinburgh, Auckland Blues, and various other professional rugby clubs. So, good afternoon, Grace. How are you doing? I'm very well, Sam. It's good to be here on this podcast, mate. Thank you very much. Good to be here too. Um, so, we've been out and about this week having a few conversations with some different coaches just around the topic of uh, leadership and culture and environment. So I just thought we'd kind of record a, a, a little conversation just to share some of those views, maybe give people a different understanding of the sort of commonly held view of what leadership is and what culture is and, and, and just some different ideas around that. We've also had some great questions in from um, a few of our coaching friends, so we'll try and answer a few of those as well. So, mate, when somebody talks about Authentic leadership. I know it's a phrase that you use a lot. What, what, how would you describe uh, authentic leadership? Uh, what would be the, the traits that an authentic leader would, would show? To me, what I see a lot of is people look at uh, the tangible things within, say, organizations, teams like the, the, the byproducts or the outcomes and or, or, or like the, the behaviours and, and the things that are, uh, someone they perceive as a great leader does uh, and maybe the things they put into place or whatever and they look at those as the cause of good leadership and good connection and great culture within an organisation or a team or classroom, family, relationship, whatever it may be. Because in my eyes, like, they're all different forms of, of leadership that are, that are coming from the same place, really, if you understand. Um, so, to me, when people look at the outcomes as the cause, so, for example, like, one that I see a lot of is people perceive that All Blacks have this amazing culture and, and like, it seems to be awesome and great connection and cohesion and uh, like, you know, quite a lot of love and expression and freedom within that organization. And then people see the byproducts of that, that love, that connection, that freedom. For example, people sweeping a changing room and they see that as like a cause of humility or, um, authenticity or, or you know uh, whatever it may be or, or, or cause of a great culture the same way you see for example like Saracens as a club that people often talk about their culture and uh, one of the things that I see a lot of is you know they have these cool trips where they go away and have a fun time together as a team and bond or they have like these really great sounding catchphrases words that are posted around the walls and, and the organization and stuff and people look at those things as the cause of a good culture. So they're getting, the, they're getting the cart before the horse, effectively. They're looking at, at trying to drive behaviours in an effort to create a culture on the back of that rather than realising that the behaviours are what stem from what's underneath the, 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 the yeah. culture, the culture so, that's underneath that. 
So I know it's a long-winded sort of answer, but, but to come back around to your initial question of, of what authentic leadership is, understanding first and foremost who you are, where your experience comes from, where your feelings come from, leading from that place. Because if you understand who you are, you know that your well-being and value is not defined by outcomes, results, people's perception of you, and, and you lead from a place of, security you you leave from a place of love you leave from a place of your own uh happiness within yourself of who you are yeah and whatever arises from that are natural byproducts of that authentic leadership yeah now now people get it the wrong way around when they see those side effects as the cause they try to implement those and it's not authentic yeah and you wonder why you got teams trying to uh emulate other people's side effects strategies or management yeah. techniques or whatever yeah like putting up great sounding words in a gym wall yeah or, or going away on holidays as a team and these things now, now I'm saying there's nothing wrong with doing that, but if you think that that's the cause of yeah. a great culture or connection or performance or, or expression, then you've got it wrong. Yeah. So first and foremost, to me, authentic leadership is understanding who you are as a leader and then allowing that to express however it does. And then things that make sense from that, like, encouraging guys to clean up after themselves comes as an authentic thing, not as a, a superficial seeming to be a cause because it's not a cause yeah. of culture. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that, that's how I look at it. Authentic leadership is understanding who you are first. So the, the culture of an organization, we, we've, we've talked this week about how, um, culture is something that almost needs to start from the ground up it starts from the players understanding what they want their experience of of the sport to be of rugby to be if that's the sport that you're you're looking at but and and that's true you know you can have a you can have a great culture within an organization even with a leader that maybe doesn't understand this but if you do have a leadership which as you say understands that their well-being is not affected by results or what's going on in the situational circumstance of the, of the organization or of their lives then the players will pick up on that and the players will be reassured by the the steadfastness and the and the authenticity of, of the leaders and that will then help to encourage a culture of openness of honesty of integrity of hard work of all of the things that we we think make a good team but they will be they will be coming from within rather than something that's a set of behaviors that we're trying to impose on on people yeah and i mean this looking in this direction might be challenging or, or, or even what we're pointing to might be challenging because our culture is so condition to look at outcomes, um, conceptualize things and, and, and try and come from that end first. 
and put them into place in order to get an outcome that we want, yeah, or an environment that we want, or a culture that we want. Now, to me, like looking at your culture as like an actual tangible thing is a mistake. It's not. It's not even. It's made up to look at it from that direction. A culture creates itself when people come together and feel free to be who they are, to express themselves, then what happens is within that, with that freedom, people buy into the bigger picture. So if you try and implement like a culture and have X, Y, and Z say, this is our culture, this is how we act, this is what we do, this is our way, It might have a short-term um, effect, yeah, but it will only last so long because, in my in my view, and in my understanding of how humans really work, if you try to tell someone how to act and how to be, that's not natural to them. There will come a point where they push back and resist. Yeah whether they realize it or not. Because what every human being wants above all else is to, to feel their inner sense of freedom and happiness. And if you're in an environment that is saying, this is how you have to act, this is how you have to be, because this is our way, you're actually stifling that longing for freedom and you're saying, act this way. And yeah, people can act a certain way for a certain time until it comes to the point where they're like, ah, oh, it's, it's tiring or it's limiting. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know much about Saracens, I'm going to be honest, but like from the little bits that I've heard, I've heard guys like Owen Farrell and these guys talk about how they love the environment because they're able to be themselves. Yeah. They're able to have the interests that they love away from the game and express that and 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 every single person is is respected as uh, an equal there's not like that hierarchy and 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 I've heard guys say that within that environment there is a buy-in a connection when you're able to just be who you truly are and yeah. respect that now I've been in environments where you know there was it was said this is the culture this is the way to, you have to be and, and after a while, like, there becomes conflict. Some guys maintain being that way and other guys it's not natural. And then there's judgment between the two. And, and, and there's so much sort of regimented ideas of how you have to act and what you have to do in, in terms of to fit into this culture. We had a conversation earlier this week where I think you recalled our friend uh, and, and, and kind of mentor, Garrett Kramer, talks about um in his experience the best coaches have the fewest rules and that's kind of what you're pointing to there isn't it where the rules you almost don't need to make rules if people are you know it sounds it sounds like a paradox but if people have the freedom to be who they really are you don't need to establish rules because people will naturally be looking in the same direction. They'll naturally live up to their own best. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, 
their their best characteristics their best their best traits will will come out anyway without you putting a set of expected behaviors and 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 rules in place yeah and i i mean where where do having like all these set rules that are like set in stone where does that come from in a leader it can only come from insecurity absolutely but from the idea that the more control you have as a leader the more things are going to go the way that you want them to go but the idea of controlling people to get an outcome you want to it's actually a myth it doesn't truly work now what you're saying but but don't get me wrong as a leader of course it's good to have boundaries and have think of course there's things that you're going to say no that's not acceptable but to, to set it out as like a set in stone law from the beginning to have people concerned and worried about how they're behaving, are they acting in line with this? When people are worried about how they're behaving and, and are they acting in line with how someone says they should, it leads to more clutter and noise within that person. And more clutter and noise actually leads to someone acting more out of alignment. Yeah more adverse behaviors probably come through from clutter. Um, and, but at the same time, like say a coach sees someone who's continuously late or, you know, behaving in, in a way that they don't think is acceptable. By all means, like you, you have to be clear with that person and lay out what you, what the boundaries are. But you can do that in a way where it's at a place of understanding between the two. And, and I can guarantee you, you're going to get a better response and reaction from a person who may be struggling. Because if someone's acting poorly or late all the time, they're struggling. Yeah. There's something going on within them that they're not seeing things clearly and they're struggling. So for you to first and foremost understand that, that they're not wrong because they're not fitting into this way of that you've sort of imposed that it has to be. But the fact that they're, 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 they're out of alignment, there's something going on within them. Go to that first, connect with the human being yeah. and see what, where the solution lies. And, and, and I'm telling you, you're going to get a far greater response than saying, these are the rules. Everyone stick to it. And, and and you might find something out about that, that individual and you might find a way that you're able to help or, or a direction to point them in or that's maybe, that's they just, maybe they just needed some love and, and armor and, and you're okay. Come, like, it's all right. But, but when you implement all these rules as facts, perhaps you're going to look at that guy and say, well, I've got no time for that guy. He's just breaking my rules. He's disrespectful. Yeah. You don't see the human being first, yeah. the rules. Um, and it's the same example, like you and I do quite a lot of work with young people in, in schools and in, in different sporting organizations, Sam. And, and one of the things that's interesting is when a young child, for example, in school is struggling and he's getting into trouble and he's maybe being disruptive, it's amazing to see when a leader or a teacher connects with that 
child on a level playing field and looks at them as though they're equal, no hierarchy, the kid's not wrong, and has a conversation around what's going on or or, or just lets them know that they're, they're on the same level, the, the buy-in from that child is a complete different story to if a teacher comes from a place of control saying, look, yeah. I'm the teacher, I'm in control, you're a bad student, you're naughty, you're going to disrupt my class, don't, this is your guidelines, stick to them. I'm telling you, naturally, when someone meets a, a human being at that level, the natural response is to resist and push back and say, yeah. who are you telling me what to do? And it, it comes when, uh, if, if somebody loves what they're doing, so if you've got a player who is genuinely loves the sport and loves playing for you and loves being part of the, the team that they're in, why would they, why would they be late for practice other than if there was a really good reason for it? Why would they not be motivated? Why would they, you know, if you can remember back to when you were a kid and, you know, you were, you were first playing rugby, you'd be up at six o'clock in the morning, getting your kit ready and shining your boots and stuff. You couldn't wait to get to training because it was what you love to do. Now, why would that person ever want to, as I say, dis- be disruptive or, or, or be disrespectful or be late. It, it just wouldn't happen. So when somebody is showing behaviours that aren't aligned with being in love with their sport, that's a sign that, you know, like you say, exactly right, there's something going on with them and that would, that would surely be a better place to start than, than throwing a load of rules at them or throwing the rule book at them. You know, find out why they're not loving their sport, why they're not feeling motivated, why they're not enjoying themselves anymore, why they don't want to be there. That's that would to me seem like a more sensible place to start than than going down the disciplinary route. Yeah. Yeah. The more the more we lead from control and hierarchy, like that that form of leadership will only last so long. And that's why you see some coaches, managers, like they have short-term success because people are like frightened and buying or whatever from that place of uh, insecurity. And then it comes to the point where the, the players are just like, dude, shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's no, true. You can see it. And, uh, yeah, but I mean, on the example you said about just understanding where say your players or team are coming from I, I, I have an example of that um, and to me was an example of firstly understanding who you are as a leader and from understanding who you are first and foremost that's what allows you to understand your players um, so I, I mean I was 19 years old um, and I was training my first professional preseason, um, and it was only you know, and I was so excited to be there, happy to be there, and it was such a you know exciting thing for me. Um, and a few weeks into preseason, one day I slipped through my alarm, and I, I woke up and it was about half an hour past when training had started, and I was I just was shitting myself, <laughs> um, and I got it, got myself together 
gassed it to training in my car as quick as possible first thing and training was already started and I went to the coach and he looked and he, and he saw I was shitting myself and I said oh coach I'm so, I slept in my life he's like hey don't worry just go 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 train great coach and and he understood like yeah he could see from your the way you were you know there was nothing that he could have said to you in that instance to make you feel any worse than you felt already because you as I say, you 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 were in you know you you're excited about training. You wanted to be there, and you just you know something had happened. Yeah, and I mean, mate, I'll tell you, I've seen similar scenarios where because people believe you have to have all these things set in stone in order for your team culture and blah blah blah. A player in a scenario like that, they've been called out in a meeting, made to stand up like say that this is not acceptable pay the fine all, all these kind of things and made an example of yeah like so because your rules that you have set in stone you you believe they need to be enforced yeah and, and made an example of, like to me that's a misunderstanding and you're not leading authentically you're leading from a concept of control and and I'd say carrying on like that actually creates fear in your team. And what do we say? Fear and security leads to more clutter. There's going to be more people mucking up. Yeah. Because they're afraid. Um, and yeah, I mean, and at the same time, like there could be someone who's, like we said earlier, who's, who's showing up late all the time. Of course, like, like, fine, like, there's all things put in place where maybe you're like, you need to pay a fine. There's consequences. But, but connect with that human being and find out what's the solution here. Yeah. Yeah. That leads there's us. No, there's no, like, real prescription on what to do. Or how, like, of course, there's going to be boundaries and guidelines and things in place, but see the human being first. And that arises from you understanding who you are. And, and, and I, know, I know I've said a few times on this talk, understanding who you are. What I mean by that is seeing truly within yourself that your happiness, your value, your identity is not derived directly from what you do the outcomes of, of what you do, what you earn, your title, all these things. To see that who you are is complete before all of those things allows you to understand who you are, connect with another on that level and see that within them, that who they are is, is not their title, not their label, uh, not their behaviors, not their circumstances and connect there and, and that to me is the foundation of true leadership and when a, when a leader comes from that place they're going a, a culture will arise from there a culture that arises from freedom connection and and the knowing that who you are is okay um 
when you try to build a culture the other way around, like as you referred to, Sammy, the cart before the horse, it's going to be built on shaky ground. Yeah. And things will work. Some things will, some, and a lot won't work. And you keep looking to the outcomes and trying to change them all the time. Yeah. Why you see guys going round and round the world, like coaches and managers, going to all these different organizations um, and trying to find out the key formula for a culture. You can go around all those things and look at the outcomes and byproducts, but those aren't the cause. Yeah. You're wasting your time. So true. Like perhaps if you went to a team who, who was thriving and people loved being there and that the players were expressing themselves and free and enjoying the environment and connecting with the coaches, the best thing to do would be to look at that, those leaders and see in them what is, what is the same in them as it is in me. Yeah, that's so true. So we're pointing to a, a universal, something that's universal for all human beings, not to what makes them different. And I think that's, you know, that, that, that's, there's so many things we could talk about around that in terms of building connection with people because that's a lot of leaders we see trying to build a, con- a connection around a shared value, but one which is based on one group's difference with another group so whether that's nationality or um uh, ethnicity or um again just our team identity trying to build a team identity to be different from someone else or emphasizing the difference like you say it's another thing that will work in the short term because yeah you can you can maybe build a group of players together around a set of shared values, if you want to put it like that. But if those shared values are based on a difference with a, a, between you and another set of human beings, at some point that's going to come crashing down and you'll see it in terms of, you know, maybe uh, ill-discipline towards another set of players or another team or, um, you know, too much aggression, people getting too pumped up. Um, you know, emphasizing difference, as I say, seems like a shortcut to building connection, but it's actually pointing people in exactly the opposite direction of, of, of what we're looking for. So, yeah, I mean, an example of trying to find the formula and in, in a point of difference like you're referring to, uh, and, and trying to implement that within your organization on a superficial level. Um, here, here's a real life example. So uh, a team goes overseas to a, the, the, the coaches and management in the off season go on one of these trips where they're like exploring these very successful uh, organizations. So I think in this example was a, was a big football club that's another one of these ones that's famous for its culture. So, so the, these coaches go and visit it. They meet the manager. And um, one of the things that they pick up, which is a great uh, part of this club's culture, is the inclusion of the families. Mm. 
um, the partners, the children, the parents, like they, they seem to really be a part of the club. And they, they sense that it's from this manager, that, that he's, um, he, he, he's really connected and, and cares for the partners and children and um, parents and stuff. And he knows all about them. Um, and, and, and they see that as a key component of this team's culture. Yeah. So then this whole cart before the horse thing that we spoke about, this team comes back, the, this management team, they come together with a plan of how they can implement this as part of their team's culture. <laughs> right? I've heard so, this story before. It's brilliant. Yeah, carry on. So what they come up with is they create like a database. They're going to get a list of all the players, um, partners' names, the, the children, what, what the, the partners' hobbies are, what they're into, so that they can follow them up, get in touch with them, have conversations, get to know them. Now, it all sounds like quite nice and lovely, but when you're trying to implement an outcome as, as a cause, it doesn't work. Yeah. It was forced. It wasn't genuine. Yeah. And, and, and from this, the players picked up on this was strange. This wasn't natural. They thought it was weird. It's kind of creepy, isn't it, that people are... Yeah, but think the about database the on you at this big football club who these guys had gone and um, observed and met. He wasn't trying to do that yeah. for an outcome. He was being authentic. I think what's very helpful to know when you're observing these different things is to first and foremost understand where that behavior has arisen from. Um, and, and to me, that is the most helpful place to explore. We're so caught up in a culture and, and a concept and a world of exploring all the tangible things and putting them into place. But that example of that football manager um, who connected truly with the families and of his players, that arose just from him being himself, being authentic, being loving. Yeah. And you can't implement that from the outside to in. It just has to arise from you being who you are. Yeah. Um, and, the, and there's no one way that that looks, you know? Yeah. Is that, so you hear a lot of people use the word vulnerability when, you know, they, they you know, most coaches are kind of seen now that this sort of command and control style of coaching um, maybe isn't effective, isn't having the, 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 the outcomes that they would like. So there's a lot of talk about, as a coach, you have to be vulnerable. What, what's, your, what's your take on that? What do people mean when they, when they talk about a coach being vulnerable? I mean, it's an interesting one, again, because obviously where we're exploring here and where we're coming from is you want to be careful not to even turn being vulnerable into a concept. That, that's, what, that's my point. It's, it's, yeah. To me, it's... it's you, you know, what we're talking about here is being authentic and human beings are naturally 
sometimes strong, sometimes vulnerable, sometimes up, sometimes down. So if you're deliberately trying to show vulnerability, what you've done is, you you know, you're you're actually putting on an act. It's not going to be authentic anymore. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And, And I mean, if a leader is truly comfortable within themselves with who they are, then part of what's going to show through is that they don't have all the answers all the time. Yeah. And, and that there is like, I guess, vulnerability, but it's just realness. Yeah. Because if someone goes about, and many leaders do, like especially uh, uh, like sporting environments with coaches and stuff, it's like this idea that they, they have to know the answers all the time to maintain that sort of hierarchy of control and power and leadership and, like, you know, being the main man. Um, whereas if you are real and you, you like, look, like, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Well, we tried this and it, and it was wrong. It didn't work. The buy-in that you get from your team around you is a genuine buy-in. And that, that's what allows, you know, players' leadership to shine through or players' insights to shine through. Yeah. Whereas if... if yeah, and, and I guess, like, it's the same thing with, like, we spoke about sweeping the change rooms because you think that's what, like, good culture is. And then, and then doing that and, like, displaying that as good culture superficial so if you're trying to display vulnerability people aren't stupid everyone has an intuitive guide in them they're going to see right through it you know yeah so i mean what we're talking about just keeps coming back to the same thing to understand who you really are and where your experience comes from which in the culture that we live in we're pointed in the opposite direction we're pointed to say that who you are comes from your title, your education, your background, your job right now, your relationships, your, your identity, all these things. And though that, that's a misunderstanding because those yeah. things are all changeable. They're yeah. variable. You know? um, whereas if you can see beyond that cultural conditioning and see who I am as complete before I was ever a coach, or a teacher or a business leader. Yeah. And this role is a role that I'm blessed to do and I I love and I'll give my all to, but it doesn't define me. And to see to that place within, because that there is the truth within us all and it's readily available to be seen. Then from there, you show up with a new um, uh, energy and a new realness and a new authenticity in what you're doing rather than trying to recycle and attain concepts and theories and strategies and cultures and like, man, you're chasing dragons and, and it's tiring. Yeah. You know? And it has short lasting effects and people see through it. You know, it's like, you know, look at, look at young kids little children they're very in touch with this intuitive guide like 
they can see right through what someone's saying to where it's coming from, you know? Yeah, yeah no, that's the whole point, isn't it? It's, it's what we're pointing to here is it's not the words that you say or the strategies and the techniques that you employ. It's, it's about where you're coming from and the people that you're trying to lead and the people that you're trying to coach, regardless of what you're saying or what you're doing, they will intuitively have a sense of where you're coming from, of whether you're secure in yourself, of whether you see how a life works clearly, of whether you're coming from a place of love or whether you're coming from a place of fear and insecurity. And that is, as I say, to me, the essence of authentic leadership is the essence of good coaching. You know, if you're, if you're coming from a place of, of love, and, and in this context by love we mean the absence of separation. So when you're in love with someone, you, you're, there's, there's no separation between you. You feel as one. When you're, um, you know, when you're in love with the game, you're, there's not you and the game. You're part of the game. There's no separation there. So when a leader's coming from that place, from an understanding that there's no separation from knowing that we are, we are as one, then the players that you're leading, the players that you're coaching, even the, the parents, the people around you, the supporters, everybody else in the organisation is going to sense that and is going to, there's much more chance of them buying into that than if you're coming from a place where you're just, you know, coming up with new rules and regulations and, you know, buzzword values and stuff like that all the time. Yeah. Yeah, man, definitely. And, and, you know, like love is one that's probably not really spoken about in sport because it's, uh, you know, we're, we're in this paradigm, this thing of like grinding and working and like, where does love really fit into that? Whereas the players know that the best performances they've had, they've been out there loving what they're doing. Absolutely. Enjoyable environments to be in is, is you love being there. Yeah. You feel love for your teammates and your coaches. And that, like you said, all that love is is love is innate. And it's only veiled by the concepts that get in the way of it, of all these intellectual theories and strategies and concepts get in the way of what's innate, which is that love. And, and the, the, come back to that idea that I spoke of with Saracens when I've heard guys talk about how, how they really love being there because they're able to just be themselves. They don't have all those concepts of how to be and how to act and what to do. So there's not so much intellectual veiling yeah. of what they are. And that, that love shines through. Um, and, on, and, and with that as well, like people could hear us talking like about love and talking about this sort of leadership and, and, and think, well, so what are you just meant to like hug your players and support them, encourage them all the time and just give them kind words and, I have to emphasize there's no prescription. Like, look at Sir Alex Ferguson. Like, again, I don't claim to be an expert on him, but what I have heard is the players really loved him and he cared and loved his players. It was a genuine connection. And, and But you hear that he would rip into his players. And, and so what I'm saying is love doesn't come in just one really sparkly package love is real you know yeah and look at a parent 
with their child. There's going to be times where the voice was raised and the boundaries are laid out and the kid might cry. But if that's coming from a place of love, that's real and the kid will, will get it. You know, whereas there's a difference when you're coming from control and, and the idea of control comes from the idea that who you are, your value, your well-being comes from your circumstances. So you need your circumstances to go a particular way. You need the outcomes that you desire for you to feel complete and okay. And within that, you need people in your environment to act in line with how you think they should in order to get those outcomes. So that insecurity, you project control. And, and, and what we're saying here is you might have short-term um, effects, but people see right through it and, and it will just lead to resistance of those around you, whether it's in your staff or your players or whatever it may be. Um, so like we're saying, there's no one way you, you should lead. Like, and, and don't get us wrong. Like, you're going to implement things within your organization. Yeah, you might think it's great to put these phrases and words on the wall and have um, bonding time. Like, like that, those things aren't wrong. There's, there's nothing wrong with them, but to view them as the cause of something, that's, that's the misunderstanding. Yeah. So that's what we're pointing to because that's what we see going on a lot. Absolutely. And, you know, like you've just said there, if you – you know, if you get a group of guys, a, hu- a group of human beings, and you spend any sort of time together, because the ability to love and the ability to connect and the ability to, to you know, in- enjoy being around other human beings is innate. If you go off on a nice trip somewhere and have a few beers with a group of guys, then the feelings and the connections are going to come from that naturally because that's what human beings do we 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 have this innate capacity to connect with other human beings so like you say it's not wrong and the effect of those guys going away on a trip or whatever is going to be better connection within the group or it, it could well be better connection within the group but like you say it's looking at the outer um the the you know the 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 external fact of we went to this place and we did this particular thing and it was the place and the activity that caused the connection. That's the misunderstanding, isn't it? Not it's, 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 it's realizing that the connection comes from within. It doesn't come from what you're doing or where you are or how many beers you've had. Yeah, definitely. And people talk about like environment a lot. And like you, you could have a team with who are successful and have great connection and uh, perform well, and they could have a really average training facility. Um, you know, the, the, the environment and, and what they have available to them might not be the greatest. But if they're an understanding of where their performance really comes from, you know, they can they can make the most of what's available to them. 
Yeah. And on the flip side, you could have someone with an amazing facility. And, and if you're looking at environment as the cause of your performance, it will never be enough. You always have to keep adding to it, doing, bringing in different things, um, and, and it will never be enough. And, and, and so there's no one way. Like, like you could have an amazing facility, environment, and you could understand that the environment's not the cause, but it's still great to have an amazing facility without a doubt. And you make the most of it. And you, you yeah, you enjoy it and you get the most out of it. But if you look at that as like the cause, then it's never going to be enough. And you, and we, you know, we've we've seen it in some of the, um, some of the, the the places that we're lucky enough to to visit, where you've got amazing environments, but not all of the players within that environment are having a, a nice experience. Some of them are having a, a, a an experience that they're not enjoying. So, if if there was a cause and effect relationship between the environment and somebody's experience, everybody within that environment will be having a similar experience. And that's not the case. No matter how good your environment is, you're going to go in there one day and, and fill up and the next day you might come in or the next week you might come in and, and not feel so good. That's just the human experience. It's not the environment that, that there's no causal relationship between the environment you're in and, and how you're feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I mean, you've got the example, like look at these, these kids in Brazil in slums who are expressing themselves with their football, loving it, you know, and, and it's really an expression of love and freedom. And then you got kids in these premiership academies and they're not loving what they're doing. Absolutely. Got all these expectations, judgments, ways of being imposed onto, onto them by their leaders and they feel stifled. And they don't enjoy the environment that they're in. Yeah, that's so, so true. You know, and like, yeah, geez, like you, there's so many guys who come up through all the grades and they're in the, in the, in the greatest facilities and they make the academies and the age grade teams and they're getting coached by outstanding coaches and and then they just, they don't want to play anymore one day. Yeah. Or they become so caught up in all the concepts of how they should be and what they, how they should play and what they should do. And it becomes too much. It's just clutter. And it, and it gets in the way of that natural expression that, that allowed their talent to shine through. Yeah. Um, so it's an interesting one. Like, I guess what we're just pointing back to all the time is, to see within your space that is very, by very, its very nature is freedom, is pure potential. To see that as who you are, rather than all the concepts or, and, and all the theories of what you need to do and how you need to act and um, uh, your environment and, and all these things. See back to what remains. And you'll see that that is complete. That is where your true 
potential is and that's where it comes from and then if you see that because i mean i don't want like people might listen to this and think that we're saying oh all these uh strategies and theories and things that people are doing in these professional environments are wrong no we're not saying that but in order for someone to flourish with those opportunities with that great coaching with those guidelines and, and, and those opportunities, for someone to flourish in that, it's helpful for them to first and foremost know that who they are is before all that. It's not defined by it. And then they take things in their stride and run with it. Yeah. And the greatest performers, players, people of success, they know what's for them and what's not. They can see that this coach or person or leader is saying this, that's not necessarily a fact for me. Yeah. I don't have to disagree, but I just know what works for me and what not. But you see so many young players in these systems and coached by people, and we're in this paradigm that you have to get all the information, you have to have all the tactics right, you have to get your preparation right, your training right, you've got to have your path, your goals set out. And they get so focused on all these things that it gets in the way of their freedom to just go play the game. Yeah. So we as leaders need to understand that first too. That's where it comes from, doesn't it? It comes if, if you can, as a leader, see that your own well-being is there no matter what is going on around you. That's the, the foundation stone that everything that we're pointing to will, will, throw, will flow from. Um, and I just want to, you know, maybe come, come to this last, a lot of coaches, we've had a lot of questions about, um, selection. So I know it's something that a lot of coaches, um, have a lot of thinking about in terms of, um, you know, can dropping a player damage their confidence? You know, a lot of these coaches are coming from a place of, of, of love and from, of caring about their players and they're worried that. You know, making a, a a decision about not including a player in the squad might harm their confidence. Can you just talk a little bit about your, you know, what what authentic leadership might look like around selection for a second? Yeah. So, like I keep saying, there's no prescription, right? There's no one way it should look. But for you to understand that your well-being isn't defined by your role as the coach you can understand that that's true for your player. So his well-being, his value is not defined by him being selected or not. But what you must understand that not everyone gets that. Many don't. So it will seem, might seem to that player that it, it really does. He has to get picked for him to be okay. Right? So firstly, understand that's not true. That allows your decisions to flow naturally as, and, and you to put into play what's true to you rather than, you know, when you over-calculate things and worry about people's feelings and everything, then you, you're not going to make a clear decision from the heart that's true to you, from your, from your insight. Um, so, so firstly, see that in yourself and your decision will flow through as a clear-cut decision then from your understanding of yourself and when I keep saying about your understanding of yourself, it's really an understanding of all people. It's because when you understand yourself, you understand people. That's true. That's so true. If, 
then from there, make your decision. And if you feel that it's the right thing to do to um, speak to this player before you announce the team or, or talk them through like, why he's not playing or whatever, from that place of understanding, do so. But what I see so often is coaches have heard this is how you should coach and this is what you should do and you've got to keep your players happy, righty, righty, right. And I see them have meetings or have talks or, or avoid certain situations or whatever to try to keep players happy. Or they might not be honest with them about why they're not playing because they don't want to hurt the players' feelings. They might say, oh, no, we're just giving this other guy a go or whatever. Or, or even sometimes, like, sometimes things don't have to always be said. It's still your job to pick the team. But when you think it's your job to keep everyone happy, you start doing things to try and control situations. And then, then what happens when you're coming from that misunderstanding, you start to get players who are, get pissed off because they say, oh, the coach said this to me, but I know it's not true. It's not authentic, is it? If you're... If you're well, that's where coaches get into trouble. They they start getting look, it's gonna there'll be times where there's difficult conversations to be had. But a, a player will truly might be uh, hard for them to take being straight down the line in the beginning. Is that maybe not what they want to hear? The oh you've been dropped, you know, just because of this or that, or I want to play this guy, I, I think he deserves an opportunity, whatever. They might not want to hear that straight up, but I'm telling you, they're going to respect you in the long run a lot more when you're just straight up and down. Because what always happens when you beat around things or, or, or try to keep people happy is they'll see through it and then they'll be like, well, that guy lied to me. I don't trust him. Yeah. And they might start talking to other players and you know that's where all these little issues arise. But, but, a, but an interesting one is Sometimes coaches can try too hard, say too much. It's, you just got to do your job. And then if you see from there that someone's struggling or it makes sense for you to talk to someone, do it. But when we try to keep everyone happy, it's not possible. We try too hard and that's where conflict arises. Yeah. So again, the understanding is that if, if you understand deeply that your well-being doesn't come from your situation or circumstances, you understand that the player that you're talking to, his well-being has nothing to do with his situation or circumstances, even though he may not be seeing it in the moment. So there's no, there's no connection between the fact that you've not picked him and how he's feeling. Now, it, looks, it may not look like that in the moment, especially to that player, but that's true. And as I say, you saying, you know, a coach can't keep a player happy. Nobody, no human being can make another human being happy. It comes from within. You know, a, a human being could be, you know, happy or unhappy in any situation or circumstance. And knowing that is the foundation of, of as I say, making those decisions and having those conversations. And it, it comes back to where you're coming from, not what you do or how you do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and and you'll know you'll know when to talk to people, when not, 
what to say, what to do when you understand within yourself what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Whereas, whereas it's a telltale sign, someone that doesn't understand their own experience to try and keep people happy or avoid certain like, conflicts or whatever. Yeah. Right, mate. Well, look, that's been a really, really interesting conversation i hope that it has um shed a bit of light on on some of the things we're pointing to you can if you've got any questions having listened to this then please do get in touch you can uh drop us an email at sam at sam jarman golf or grayson at sportsprinciples.com or um we're both on twitter so if you just do a search for either sam jarman or grayson hart and uh, give us a follow and drop us a direct message We'd like to hear from you. So, um, Grayson, thank you very much, mate. Thanks for your time. Thank you, mate. It's a pleasure. All right. And um, we'll, uh, we'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye-bye.